0: The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today.
1: I will say this, Holly, and I've said this before, I get excited about the guests that we have, but I think that this week, um, it is a huge part of my youth growing up. Because I think without Christian hip hop, I don't know where I would have been with my love of music, with radio, Christian radio. Because I think in some ways, Christian hip hop saved my life.
0: Yeah, for you, it really did play a huge role. For me, it didn't, no. and it was more of the Avalon. I think they're actually my second CD was Avalon.
1: You got it? <laughs> it was a tape back then. Don't don't throw. Out <laughs> no, the word no no
0: no no no. Amy Grant was the tape. Avalon. Oh, yeah. It was a CD. It was um, cutting edge.
1: We're 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 dating ourselves, I but know. I'm uh, I'm I'm super excited to talk with a film director and writer and producer, uh, among probably other things. Uh, Darius West, my friend, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, man. Glad to be here. Glad to uh, have the opportunity to you know speak with you guys and be a part of this Why Me project.
1: We're going to talk a lot of uh, of hip hop, especially Christian hip hop, because you have uh, a project that you have finished. It's uh, phenomenal, and I and I can't wait to uh, dive into all of that. But we want to ask our skill testing question, Darius, because we never know where it's going to go, and that is, who are you, and where did you come from?
2: I'm Darius West. <laughs> I I am from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, originally, uh, by way of Tulsa, Oklahoma, then San Diego, uh, and grew up in the South. You know, uh, you know most of my family on my mom's side and my dad's side actually is in the South. And so I love, you know, that's my route. So I'm always going to be Southern, even though I'm in California.
1: How old were you when you moved from Carolinas to Tulsa? I was 14.
0: Oh, that's a hard time to move in your life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a tremendous culture shock. I remember, uh, you know, you know, I grew up in, in, you know, in a not so great area. Uh, but I remember when I got on the uh, the bus, the school bus to go to, you know, to school, you know, first year of high school, uh, you know, there was no graffiti on the walls. The, mm-hmm. uh, the seats were clean. <laughs> they was, like, was kind of like, wait, wait. I'm not used to this. You know, I'm used to the graffiti and, you know, people's tagging stuff when the bus driver's making a right or a left. That's what you can get up and tag and, you know, yeah. the seats, were, you know, and we're in the back, back, uh, the bus, you know, playing Uno with nickels, you know, so mm-hmm. that was kind of like my, my childhood. So coming to Tulsa was a tremendous culture shock. Yes.
0: No
1: kidding. Why the move?
2: Well, my mom uh, had a vision to go to Oral Roberts University. So okay. she packed up her little uh, blue Chevy Cavalier and drove across the country with me and my older brother and uh, the rest is history.
0: So Tulsa, she went for an education.
2: Yes. That's, she that's was, incredible. Uh, yeah, she, she, she already went. You know, I remember her graduating from college when I was five years old. She had graduated from Johnson C. Smith University, at HBCU and in, in, in Charlotte. And, uh, but she wanted to get her master's in teaching. And so, you know, God led her to, uh, Oral Roberts University. And, you know, now she's back in Charlotte and she's, hmm. she's been teaching for, you know, close to 30 years now.
1: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Wow. So, uh, Mike dropped the uh, documentary in which has now officially dropped. Um, I, and I do want to dive into a whole bunch of that, but w- I, I want to start from the beginning as to where did Christian hip hop and your life come into play? Cause I was a teenager, as I was mentioning, you know, I'd listen to the likes of Ice Cube or a Jay-Z and I, and Holly and I will mention this at least once a month. I remember walking into a Christian bookstore and it said, if you like this artist, you would like this artist. And it was, yes. you know, God's original original gangsters and I was like well yeah. let's give that a try and that's where I fell in love with kind of getting away from the secular to the Christian hip hop where did that for you come into play
2: uh 1988 uh we we had moved to Tulsa in 1988 I got introduced to Stephen Wiley's music cuz Stephen Wiley was based out of Tulsa um and uh so that next summer I end up going back home to Charlotte for the summer and started rapping, you know, I, I was rapping at that summer camp that we would normally go to every summer. It was a Christian uh, summer camp and I was rapping. So I started really early in the game in terms of, you know, diving into this, you know, back then mm-hmm. it was just called Christian rap, but yeah. uh, hip hop then kind of tag on to later. So getting back to t- uh, Tulsa, I think probably around 90, 91. Uh, we, me and my good friend, we've been friends for over 40 years now. We started a Christian rap group. Uh, we, we was at Tulsa, Oklahoma and higher dimensions, uh, Carlton Pearson's church at the time. One of the, uh, only churches I know at the time that allowed young people to really express themselves, uh, you know, musically, you know, rap, dance, a lot, a lot of what I'd done and the foundation of where I am now started at higher dimensions. Hmm. And so, uh, me meeting Carmen, you know, started at higher dimensions because Carmen saw us actually rap. I, you know, it was you guys catch me at a great time because I've actually been reading my journals. I've been keeping journals since 1990. So yeah. a great part of my life is on paper. So I'm reading a lot of these experiences all over again from 1990, one, two, three, you know, ninety six, ninety-seven. Uh So, you know, just in my journals talking about the production that we did in 1990 or 91 and uh, Carmen coming to us after the performance at church and say, Hey, can you guys come teach me how to dance? And so, at 16 years old, you know, I'm in Carmen's house teaching them dance moves, you know. Uh, so, you know, a, a lot, a lot of my like foundation and where God had led me started at higher dimensions, and you know, and the rest is history. Mm. For me. I
0: love that so much. It's funny because when you said Carmen, I'm thinking like the AC singer, Carmen.
2: This
0: goes <laughs> to show, like...
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's a good thing we don't do a lot of video. I would, like, lose yeah. my black Carmen
2: Licadello, just just to be clear. <laughs> Licadello. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually, back to the question about Christian hip-hop, uh, I've, I've been taking pictures of my journal entries and sending it to all these guys, you know, Noel and Robert, you know, Robbie from, you know, D2, Soup, ETW, uh, you know... Um, uh, PID Fred Lynch, cause I spent mm. time with a lot of these guys in the early nineties. Cause we all had, some of us had, we all had the same, uh, manager at the time. Cause it was still small. It was a very, very small group of people, you know, early 91, 92. And so, uh, uh, you know, Fred, uh, PID would come in town. they you know, they administered higher dimensions with the youth and we'll, we'll open a forum there. Dynamite twins and Soup came through with a, you know, a little tour. We opened a forum there. So I was around a lot of these guys. Even back then, I sent them these entries, like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I, still got this. You know, was like, I was like, yeah, I was just a teenager. I was just, like, you know, sharing my experience on paper. But, you know, 30-something years later, I didn't know that God would use that moment to, you know, bring us all back together to do this film.
1: Because for those who don't realize, though, I mean, we're talking late 80s, early 90s, uh, you, I mean – there really wasn't anything where youth could express themselves. If you were dancing in church it was of the devil. If you were listening yeah. to certain kind of music if it had drums or a beat, we're yeah. all going to hell. Like yeah. this was yeah. <laughs> this was a completely different time than where we are now.
2: Yes, yes. Definitely uh and that speaks to, you know, even the dance part because when we started rapping part of what we did in dance cuz in the 90s, you know, early 90s, late 80s, there's a podcast that Will Smith does with DJ Jazzy Jeff just called class of 88 and so mm-hmm. all the salt and peppers and slick ricks and you know all uh epmd and all those guys came out around that time and so that kind of fed into the the movement for the 90s right and so dance was a big part of hip-hop at that time right you know so we made that a part of what we did with dmt and so you know once we went our separate ways my partner he went to the army and I was, and at this time i was a freshman in college or ORU. i was like it was just me then then I began to focus more on my dance, you know, because mm-hmm. that's the thing that a lot of doors were opening for me. And so, but, you know, we started a Christian dance ministry uh uh at a uh, dance ministry at Higher Dimensions that, uh, you know, it's called Steps of Praise, probably one of the only ministries in the world at that time, because there were people from other nations doing our dances because they saw us perform on the stage at Azusa.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so we'll get a lot of testimonies from ple- places like Africa and places like people are doing your choreography. Uh but it was because it was something that wasn't you know, nobody was doing it. And uh Carlton at the time, uh late eighties, early nineties well, was always called the backdoor evangelism. And so because even though he didn't understand it, he knew it was is relevant for, yeah. for the young people who were coming up.
0: And now like, you got mic drop. maybe there'll be a, a book that comes out. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Sounds- definitely. <laughs> oh, look at this. <laughs> oh, I love that because it's one of those things where if I was to go back and read my journal, I just journal when I'm frustrated so I I wouldn't be able to have like a clear picture of going through those moments like you have and it has been quite a journey for hip-hop music and when I was younger I grew up in like a smaller mainly white culture kind of community and it was so hard to find music that I could relate to and so it's really Mm. interesting just to see how it went from you know the 80s the 90s and and now how it's so much more mainstream and it's just able to reach people in a really, um just like a tangible, tangible different world. kind of way. Right. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. I, I love that it has played such a huge role in, in people's faith, like Johnny, which is funny because he knows way more about hip hop culture than I do.
1: Right, right. Hands down. (laughs) Hands down. White guy. Well, I mean, but that's, I mean, we talked to John Rubin a few years ago, and that's why like a John Rubin or a KJ52 was so important to me because it was a white guy. I heard black culture and all that. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Things that I never understood. Yes. Yes. But I would hear about it. So I watched the evolution of hip hop on like Netflix and I was like, oh, there needs to be a Christian one of these. At what point did you think, oh, this is what we need to do? And you created Mic Drop. I was just finishing
2: uh, film school in LA, 2013, 2014. I moved mm-hmm. to San Diego to go to film school in LA. Um, and my, my good friend, who and big brother uh, in both in life and in the industry, Michael Anthony Taylor, who's an executive producer, Colin uh known him since, you know, 88. You know, we all grew up together in the youth uh, at, at Higher Dimensions. And so we toured together with Carmen, we did a lot of things together. Uh, he produced a lot of the music that we did back then with, with our rap. And so he, we've always stayed in contact. So he reached out to me because he was a really big music documentary buff. So he watched everything in terms of documentary. And you're talking about this is 2013, 2014. Documents were not even a thing then, right? Yeah. So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even. And so when he, he said, hey man, we need to do this, you know, you know you, you uh you work with a lot of these guys We i work with a matter of fact i read a german entry the other day where pid was going to produce our first album you know mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy like that i said that the phrase like dude i said it must have happened because i wrote it down i don't remember it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it's written history but you know so it was about us seeing you know he did the research he looked and he said man and there's nothing really out there for this. And let's make this happen. So I would, I would have to attribute the idea to him because mm. when he approached it to me, I wasn't really into documentaries. I was like, you know, I'm all about film. Right. And so, so I had the liberty to do this in such a way where it didn't feel just like it was a documentary. I wanted to bring more youthful uh, experience to as well with the concert and just, you know, use, use my editing and my creative chops to really um, not ma- make it feel like it's just interview b in view B-roll, bureau, but I wanted the, a, a more live experience to the document something that I would want to sit down and watch, right?
0: Because there's so many different ways to to tell a story, and as a creative, you know, it's so much about you and, and putting it out there. Um, as Mic Drop is out there, how is it for you seeing people's responses to it and, and just their takeaways from it?
2: Yes, it's, it's amazing, you know, you, you don't, you never know, um, you know, the response, you know, this is, yeah. you know, my debut, you know, and like I said, it, it was, it wasn't my first choice in terms of just what I want to do. But when it came to my, my place that yeah, we, we have to do this, we have to do it right. The response globally has been uh, pretty overwhelming. You know, we're, we're getting uh messages and emails from Russia, you know, from Italy, from Brazil, wow. uh, from Australia, New Zealand, you know, people are like, how could we get it here? You know, people in Russia, are like, can we get it here? Can somehow, you know. Uh, Brazil, because they speak Portuguese there. And so our distribution company, distribution deals with Warner, Warner Music Group. And so they were only, they're only required to do Dutch, Spanish, and English. So Portuguese wasn't a part of the the package. Mm -hmm. So now they're, they're working on seeing how they can put in Portuguese. So Portuguese, so, you know, people in Brazil can see it and things like that. So it's been, uh, you know, it's only been a month and a half since it's been out and just, Just seeing that just over the holidays, you know, people still uh, captivated by the impact of it globally.
1: Is it easier or more difficult, do you think, to do a documentary as to, like, the starting point? Because Stephen Wiley was kind of like the beginning of. So it's kind of like you had a starting point somewhere. But to then mold and mesh it all through, did you kind of have the idea as to how you wanted it to look? Yeah, I I was... uh,
2: I pretty much, you know, started flying, just traveling, and whoever would do an interview, I just went. Right? Hmm. I, it was no, it was no, <laughs> it was very, you know, one of the one of the executive, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, label executives at that time that I interviewed. You know, people told me in the industry and around uh, the circles of people say this guy would never, you know, take this interview because he's an atheist now. He doesn't believe in God. You know, hmm. it was just the whole thing. And, you know, a lot of times when you hear that, it's it's always based upon church hurt more than anything. So, <laughs> and so, but I reached out, I, I I did my research, find out where he worked and, you know, called his work and they'd give me his email and I, <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, I was just like, yo, I'm gonna get this, email. I'm gonna get this interview. So I got the interview, actually I email he emailed me back and at the time he was like in Washington, Seattle area. And I said, Hey. I'll be on a plane tomorrow. I'll meet you at your hotel room. We're going to do this interview. So, hey, man, let's do it. So it's basically, it was like, how you get the interview? I just, I just asked because <laughs> you know, I wasn't there. Yeah. It's, you know, so it's to me, it's just really, um, I just wanted to get people's story. And once I'm able to look at the footage, I can really, uh, kind of clearly figure out how I want the flow to be, you know, and, and along with the, you know, the, the concert that we shot in 2016.
1: Yeah, because that was kind of my thing. Is was there certain must haves that you had to have in this? Because you, like you said, there are those now who don't have a faith, or people who might not be, you know, with us any longer. That they're like, oh, I need to get so and so in order to make this thing work.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephen Wiley was my first interview, uh, February to no, January 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I knew, of course, I had to have that one. Uh, Mike Peace. You know, I had to have him. My brother uh, lived in Syracuse at the time, and, and you know, Mike Peace was, you know, just north of there in Buffalo. Uh, so, reached out to him, Say, I'm coming, I'm flying to Syracuse, and, you know, we're going to do an interview at my my brother's church, you know, church he attends. Hey, I'm there. So, it was, you know, uh, PID, Dynamic Twins. Mm-hmm. I didn't have PID. I had that diamond to Soup, of course, FFC. I really wanted to get G- KJ5 too. He was one of the earlier interviews I did get as well. And mainly also the um uh the executives from every every label, you know, the top mm-hmm. three that were brainstormed, forefront and frontline, those are the main three that was really uh, you know, uh pushing at that time. So I said, I have to have these people. Hmm. Uh and there there's other individuals that I, that we felt we 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 wanted, but you know, once we got the stories from the people that were there with them, you know, uh even though they didn't respond to several, you know attempts. It was like, okay, we're good. You know, we have what we need and we can move forward from there.
0: I find when you are creating something and it's going to have impact, there's inevitably obstacles and hurdles that feel insurmountable during this (laughs) process. What, what were some of those things that you had experienced that maybe even threatened to stop production?
2: There was production that actually stopped (laughs) Uh, just a month before the concert in in Dallas investors involved, of course. Uh, And you know, we had built this thing up in in Dallas to really do because the whole vision for that is, you know, Adrian Butler is my god brother. I've known him since he was five. Mm-hmm. And I have been watching a lot of his stuff on, on YouTube around 2015, 2016. And I said, I want I want I want the energy of this generation to be in this documentary. Because mm-hmm. we can talk about the pioneers and talk but we have to show we have to bridge a gap. We have to show that this is still we have to show what, what Fred Lynch talked about. This is what we dreamed about 30 years ago. Show what's happening 30 years after he had said that, right? And so that was the mention of that. So, um, and so production for that had got shut down a month before we didn't know if we going to get the money, you know, and everything. But, you know, miraculously God worked it out to where, you know, uh, within a month or so, we were in Dallas and we we're shooting that concert. So, so it's, you know, it's been a lot of those moments where, you know, you just have to, you know, have faith in God and trust God. You know, because my my skill and expertise was in production and post production. This for me was really learning about the business of working with people and trying to get things done with a distribution company, with investors, and mm. and licensing. And yeah, all that. it. yeah.
0: That's a huge learning curve. It's yeah. it's a lot.
2: Yes.
1: Well, and, and, and I mean, think about it. You, if you were interviewing Steve in 2015 and you didn't release it until 2020, I mean, that's eight years. Like there's yeah. that's eight years of is this ever going to get done? Are we ever going to be able to see this? Is this ever going to get to the big screen? Yes. Oh, yes. Right?
2: Been a lot of a lot of conversations, a lot of thoughts <laughs> about <laughs> that, because, you know, we, we thought it was supposed to come out in 2020. Then, you know, 2020 yeah. happened. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs>
0: I like but, how no one has to say it. Like then, 2020 happened. Yeah. Oh, 2020. that
1: thing!
2: <laughs>
0: oh yeah, that was a downer.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, one thing uh, we learned uh, learned very, very much through this process, understanding the timing of God because uh, it was supposed to come out in 2020. Because 2020 was actually when the the push or the recognition, the recon- recognition of this film was actually going to come out because we, we re- released. The trailer, April twenty twenty, hmm. and on the weekend we were doing my PR, our PR company at the time, I said let's just you know put the, put the trailer out there, see what it does over the weekend, and you know release it like Friday. You know Monday was like you know up to like twenty five thousand views. It was like wait, hold up, this hmm. is this is bigger than we thought. And so yeah. that's that really that actually because people were home, you know, no one had they couldn't go nowhere, so yeah. people were sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing, it. and so it became really um, really an opportunity for the film to get recognized and people to start following it. And then we used that momentum to you know, continue to do premieres and concerts and, until it's time for, for the release.
1: You talk about uh, the things that surprised you. Um, I think li- looking back on some of the stories that you hear, the roadblocks that a lot of these artists would face, the racism that a lot of these artists would face, was there a, a surprise to you or something that you learned for yourself when doing this documentary, maybe that you had no idea?
2: I think uh, more so about the death of d Boy because there was always a mystery behind that. Like mm-hmm. what really happened and, and having an opportunity to, you know, uh, interview Tim Miner at the time. I didn't know him personally, uh, but now, you know, we're good friends, but actually being there to for him to say on camera for the first time, because he in he hadn't talked about it in 20 something years. That's why he, He broke down on camera. We had to kind of shut it down from there. Mm -hmm. Um, But finding out what really happened when you know how Debo passed, because when when everybody heard it on the radio, it was like he's gone. Like what happened, right? And so you know, not knowing you know the car accident and the shot and just everything that went along with with uh, his passing, uh, that that to me was like man, that was very uh, a revelation in terms of what was happening and what had happened. kind of give people clarity mm-hmm.
1: before Holly asked her skill testing question. Cause we, we both get one, one, an episode. Um, yeah. I, w- I want to talk about faith though, because I mean, this is, we talk about Christian hip hop. We talk about you. We talk about faith. When did faith come into play in your life?
2: Oh man. Five.
1: Okay. No. So it's been around for a while.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My mom said I was five. So I, that's, that's after. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. go. Mama
0: <laughs> knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're five and Jesus is now in your life. Was there a point though, where like, it became more about like that childlike faith into something that was a little bit more t- um, tried, tested and true.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's I don't, I don't remember the, uh, being led to Christ at five. Hmm. I do remember being uh, baptized in the Holy spirit at eight.
1: Hmm.
2: That Confirmed that I was saved at five. Right. And yeah. so I remember that because, uh, you know, old country church down in Charlotte, you know, uh, being baptized in water, coming out speaking in tongues at eight years old. At that Ooh. moment, it became, temp- you know, and I, at, you know, I've, I've known that for all my life. It, it didn't become a, it didn't become something surreal to me until I had my own kids and realized, wait, my daughter's eight. I was this age. So that's what, you know, it really get like, yo, that's, that's really young, you know, right? So. Um. Yeah. That's 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 the more that's what it be really became tangible for me, with uh, my relationship with Christ. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Oh, that's incredible. Well, skill testing question number two: Why me? Moment. Whether it was in a valley or mountain top of life, have you ever experienced a moment where you just said, "Why me"?
2: Many times. Um. Uh, but in pertaining pertaining to this this documentary, the question more so was, when we found out from Rapzilla and it was confirmed later that there had been at least twelve different attempts to do a documentary about Christian hip hop. Oh. Um the question to me at that moment was like why me? Right? What makes me so special to for us to really complete something and and, and we also had had that that back or pushback from other people gatekeepers in a sense like you know why do y'all got to do it? How come we can't do it? You know, it kind of like that, you know. Yeah. And so you kind of felt that you kind of got that from, you know, uh, I, you know, particular artists, you know, I would say in the industry who are doing that thing now. Um, but for me, I, one of the things I've learned and just, just by, you know, knowing what I wrote in my journals, uh, you know, so many years ago, this, you know, I, I've known since I was 19 what I was supposed to do. Mm. I've known since 18 what God showed me how it was going to start. And I didn't know at 18 he was talking about this film, because at the time I was just a dancer, and you know just just the details of it, you know I can't get all to it, but because there's certain prominent people in in the in the vision that he gave me that 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 had to pass, really? so re- when my drop was released, November, there were people who had passed just a few days later. Mm. They were connected to what God showed me in the vision at that 18. Um, so a year ago, God told me that my drop would be the door that opens up every door to my destiny. But this is something he told me when I was 18, but he didn't say, the, he didn't talk about the film. And so that why me became more of, he chose me as mm. opposed to why me. And so that's why we were able to do what we did because God had already predestined
1: for me to do it. And what's amazing about that is that 1819, and I mean, this is years later, you know, it's a, you're, you're standing, uh, anytime, uh, waiting for, you know, <laughs> yeah. you came at 1819. Where, where, where are we at? Yeah. <laughs> many, many times, many times. Yeah.
0: Can we just yeah. talk about that for a second? Because I hear a lot of people who feel that they're really frustrated right now and things feel like, you know, it's the worst it's ever been because we mm. take a look at the news and social media and everything feels horrible. And we're like, God, when, you know, like <laughs> your timing really isn't very good. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> told you that. God.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So how, how have you been able to navigate that? Uh, I guess that posture of patience and I'm going to say long suffering because if God gives you a dream and it doesn't come right away, like there's an element of I want to do this now. How, how have you been able to work through your life knowing that vision and just not knowing when or what that was going to look like?
2: Mm. Uh, For me, uh, because I teach on vision, purpose, and timing a lot, it's all, for me, it boils down to seasons Mm. and acting God in every season. What's the purpose for this season in my life? Because you know, when when you receive vision from God, at eighteen he showed me visually when it was gonna start. At nineteen, he showed me visually what it was actually gonna become. Hmm. And so but in knowing that it's kinda of like, you know, seeing a vision from afar off, right? You see target a mile away. You can only see the sign. You can't see hmm. details of what God has shown you until you continue to walk toward what He has shown you. And so that that is the journey of life, is that God always shows you something far off. And you can only see maybe one thing, which is the big sign, but you don't really know the details of what God is saying until you walk out this course of life, which I call the process to get you there. And a lot of times people skip the process. Hmm. They jump in the car or they tag along with someone else and get there quicker than they haven't been uh refined for the moment. Because one one of the things that I've learned and Miles, Dr. Miles Rowe was my spiritual mentor. He told me, he said, uh, when the curtains open, you got to know your lines because Ooh. the curtains will open. that moment in time will open. And if you don't know your lines, you're going to be stuck because your character and your integrity is not there. So, you know, one of the, I, I live my life based upon one statement. My aunt told me she's with, with God now. She said, the greater the purpose, the longer the process. And so when you look at what God has shown you and it's something that's grand, you know, David was a teenager when he was anointed to be king, but he didn't become king till many years later. Joseph was 17 when he had his first dream. He, he got into position when he was 30. So it, it's going to take years for processing based upon what God's called you to because I, because I know where God has called me to and I know basically how, mu- how many years it's going to take. Uh, to do what God's called me to from this point moving on uh, it's just a sense of patience and knowing that God in his timing knows what he's doing. And I'm just on alone for the ride and to be obedient to him.
0: I love that. Cause we're in such an instant society right now. You can get whatever you want, whatever you want, wherever, like in right. a flash right. and we've lost maybe a little bit of that practice of being able just to wait with anticipation and we're just like, clarity now, God, I want clarity. He's like, ah, mm-hmm. just, just simmer, really. just <laughs> simmer a bit.
2: Yeah. If God would have showed me uh, what he was happening now when I was 18, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. I, couldn't, I wouldn't be able to sing. You know, I was a dancer. What, what did I know about media yeah. or anything? It wouldn't make that no sense to me.
0: Yeah. It's not clarity we need. It's just patience.
2: <laughs> we need patience.
0: Yeah.
1: That's good. The, uh, the greater the purpose, the longer the process it took uh, from 2015 to just released a few months ago, Mike dropped the movie.com at Darius West on the Insta from uh, Roger rabbiting and running man to a documentary. <laughs> My friend, this has uh, been incredible. Thank you for taking some time and sharing your heart.
2: Man, I appreciate this. Thank you.
1: I think maybe one of the greatest things of our youth is, is the fact that we have that poster to relate to. If you like this band, you will like this band.
0: <laughs> Seriously. It helped me a lot just navigate the Christian music world. Now, again, as we've already talked about, when he's talking Carmen, I'm thinking, you know, yeah. Carmen.
1: Because
0: yeah. um, that was my influence growing up. And those was like, if you like this, and you like that. it It actually exposed me to music that I was curious about because it was always like, the full list of all the genres but then at the there was like that point too where it became a little cheesy mm. we're like really oh, yeah
1: and not uh, accurate
0: yeah <laughs> not accurate at not all yet, not at all like who wrote
1: these lists yeah they sing english so let's just put their name in there i in all honesty i would almost do anything right now to get one of those posters Yes. Just so that I can have it for reference to show my kids, guys, before there was the internet, before there was was this list that you would figure out if you like DC Talk, you also like this band.
0: Exactly. Well, it was the other way around. It was like, if you like... Nirvana, you will love this yeah.
1: group. You like DC. I think that was actually one of the comparisons.
0: <laughs> Probably.
1: <laughs> but I mean to to hear the history of and that's where I love it. Um you know, talking with Kirk Franklin uh late last year mm-hmm. and I mean, he was we we talk about those who paved the way for people. Yeah. And to hear of where Christian hip hop came from and where it is now and how you would never hear it on the radio to now you hear it, or you hear the likes of a Toby Mac who was never going to be on radio. It's just, to me, that's what warms my heart is to see where we came from to where we are.
0: Yeah. Um, I think there was a group called On Fire. Sure. And they had this song called Dance Like David.
1: (laughs) Okay. This sounds like something you would listen to. (laughs)
0: I cannot find anything of theirs anywhere. Like, once tapes ended, no. like, that's it. So if I can, like, somehow secure a copy of that, I would be really excited.
1: All right. There's there's our goals for 2024. You want some obscure tape, and I want a poster.
0: <laughs> I want to find it so I can play it to you, because I think you would just be um, – you would shake your head. you'd be like, oh, "I Holly. want
1: to hear this.
0: oh Holly. there's n-
1: there's nothing else in my life right now that I don't want to hear more than whatever that is.
0: <laughs> oh, I was gonna sing it to you, but no, 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 no one needs to hear that.
1: Oh, no, hold no. on. If you remember what it is,
0: <laughs> of course I did. That was my jam. Can
1: you throw it a little bit, please?
0: Lyrically, it was like dance like David, dance like David. <laughs>
1: No, 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 no. You're not giving it enough. I need to.
0: (laughs) Nope. That's all she wrote.
1: All right. If you want to hear more of this song, make sure that you like and subscribe. You follow us on all the socials, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, the YouTube. And if we can get enough likes and subscribes, Holly will not only sing it, she will do the dance moves.
0: (laughs) Someone will call the doctor thinking I'm having a seizure. Shut your her <laughs> hip out. I am too old. I have a 10 and an almost 8-year-old. We are not dancing like David. No. No.
1: Oh, Lord. Please make this happen. Uh, check out us, all the socials at faithstrongtoday.com. <laughs>